0: Hey, friends, anybody out there dreaming of a beach vacation? I am raising my hand right now because that sounds lovely. Get away to the sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. You'll discover endless family fun, heart-pounding thrills, eco-adventure, and romance. So make it memorable. Make it yours at Panama City Beach, the real fun beach. Plan your escape today at visitpanamacitybeach.com. Friends, today you're listening to episode number 234, and my guest for today's show is Scarlett Hiltabidel. Scarlett lives in Tennessee with her husband and three girls, and I found out about her when I received her book in the mail, and her book is entitled Afraid of All the Things, Tornadoes, Cancer, Adoption, and Other Stuff You Need the Gospel for, and I thought, yes, I do need this book in my life. So, I tracked Scarlett down. I asked her to come into the studio and we had a great conversation about where her anxiety came from, how she battles it. She also has the cutest little family and one of her daughters, her and her husband adopted from China and she is deaf. And so her family has learned sign language. And we talked about the transition from two kids to three kids and adoption and all those things. You're gonna love our conversation today. Guys, two things I wanna tell you about. The first, if you live in Austin, we have something tomorrow night. It is a parenting seminar with the Enneagram. You know, I love Suzanne Stabile. You know, I love the Enneagram. You guys love the Enneagram because you talk about it all the time to me. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, Austin, Texas, it's $10. There's going to be a panelist of nine members. Each of them represent a different number. And we're going to talk about parenting. I am one of the numbers. I'm a six. My husband's going to represent the threes. So if you're in town, come join us. Also, you guys, our Patreon page is having so much fun. We had a new episode release in our mini-series, which is all about goals and dreams, and my friend Michelle McKinney joined me. Michelle sat down with me and joined me for this episode that you get when you're a part of our Patreon page. And the fun part about this interview, I mean, we talked about goals and dreams, and she schooled me on what I need to be doing because she's brilliant with this. But we answered some of your questions. If you are a Patreon member, you sent in questions, and we actually asked Michelle those questions, and she answered them hosting this patreon party has been so fun for me we've wanted to do this for a while and the reason that we do it you guys is because we want to connect with you more also we want to give you more episodes we want to give you more content and we're getting to do that and you get to be a part of it here's a clip of michelle answering one of our vip questions
1: about her own struggle with goal setting you got to know your season of life, Mm -hmm. you know, and that I I talk about this whole thing about, you know, I think growing up this whole thing about the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Mm -hmm. The way that I kind of like put her on this pedestal in my head based on the way that it was taught to me anyway, or it was, you know, projected was that she was this woman that just did it all. She was like Superwoman, And she just like got up early in the morning and she was making textiles and she was serving people all at the same time until I started to really look at it and began to teach it. And what I learned was that, no, she was doing all this stuff in different seasons of her life. And not only that, she had help because it says she goes out to her maidservants. So she Mm -hmm. had help, Mm -hmm. right? And so you have to understand and know the season of life that you're in, which is why it's important not to get hyped up by social media and compare what another person is doing in their life because they're not living yours. Y'all, isn't that so good? Michelle
0: is so honest and she's so vulnerable when it comes to talking about her own goal setting process. I personally would love for you to join us over on Patreon because of all of you friends that are joining, we're able to do more, get more episodes, and your support means a lot to all of us over here at Ivy Media because we have some great things planned for you guys. If you want to know more about it, check out jamieivy.com slash Patreon. Hey Scarlett, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, I'm here with you. I'm so happy. We're here, like
2: in person I together. Know, it's so surreal. Welcome to Austin, Texas. Thank you. Can I tell you what I've noticed? Yes, please the tell freeways, me. Freeways or highways, whatever you call uh-huh. them, like split in half unexpectedly. Mm, the
0: upper level and lower level, I don't know. and two ninety ca- and seventy one. Yes, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> You'll get to. I will say this: when I moved to Austin, uh-huh. if anyone is in Austin, you might get this. I've been here ten years all the roads have like three names. Okay. So they would tell me to take Mopac and, and then I would only see Loop One. Yes. And it's the same thing. Yes, I've noticed that So too. see, you've been here for 12 hours. Very confusing. The same thing. Yes. yes, okay. Well, nothing's confusing out here because I'm glad you're here. I'm <laughs> you like so that transition? Happy here. That was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> Love it. Mm, look at me. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm glad you're here. So give us a 30 second, your family real quick. And then I have, I'm jumping in. I got things, Scarlett.
2: Okay, Jamie. Okay, 30 seconds. I'm Scarlett. I write books. I recently moved to a farm, even though I'm totally a city girl. So that's just a big experiment. All of our plants and animals have died, except we have a hamster now. So we have a, our farm that animal don't touch. that i never touched. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, I'm married to Brandon. He works at Lifeway. He does marketing for small group um, Bible study stuff. And I've got three kids, all girls, eight, five, and three. The five-year-old we adopted from China last year. That's a whole story I'm sure we'll get into. Um, she's deaf, so we learned sign language. And so we're just kind of sign languaging all the time. And I homeschool one, and then one of them goes to school. And it's just kind of wonderful chaos right now. <laughs> I love it. It's really fun. <laughs> okay,
0: and you released a book in January called Afraid of All the Things. Yes. Tornadoes, Cancer, Adoption,
2: and Other Stuff You Need the Gospel For. You might be the only person who has said the title correctly on the first try. What does everyone People say? miss The the. Because it's small. Afraid of all things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I did an interview one, si- one time. My book is called If You Only Knew. This yeah. happens all the time. I
2: love your book. Thank you. I loved your book. i will so so talk kind. about that more later. Okay, okay, but the
0: entire interview,
2: they said, um,
0: okay, it's called, I have to look at it, If You Only Knew. And they said, I don't even know. If you, if only you knew. If oh, only you knew. Yeah. That I can happened see that a half- lot. <laughs> and I just like, yeah, I can't correct someone. Yeah. I'm too nice. So yeah. okay, afraid of all the things. Okay, Scarlett, we're gonna jump in here because I'm gonna tell you how I found out about you. Okay. okay? <laughs> so I get eight million books a day. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's just what it is because I'm a podcast, not because I'm special. Because I'm a podcast. You're it's also like special. media. You know, they're yeah. like, hey, we we want to get this book in front of you so they can get you on the show. Side note, you guys, I just got a book in the mail. It, ha- it the title <laughs> is the Worst Curse Word You Could Think Of. Is it the worst, y'all? <laughs> um, Lindsay yeah. and Scarlett are in here. Yeah. I think it might be entitled The Worst. Yeah, It's the F word, you guys. Mm-hmm. And I got the book and I thought to myself, these people don't know what the happy hour is about. <laughs> so I get all kinds of books. I got your book in the mail. Two things happened. First of all, I flipped it over and I saw that you were B&H, which is my same publisher. I know the people at b and I immediately texted... Mary and J- Janae And mm-hmm. said This cover's amazing Aww. You guys killed it with this I
2: love the cover too
0: <laughs> I adore it Aww. Second I said Afraid of all the things Tornadoes Cancer adoption I'm afraid of all these things I need to read this Perfect. book <laughs> And so it caught me It caught my eye From the very beginning So Congrats on just a beautiful book. Thank you, Jamie. Title, everything. I'm so happy for you.
2: Thank you. Can I jump in and say, you know that phase, because you did it too, um, when they're like, what are some book covers you like? Send us some examples. Yours was one of the three that I sent them because I love yours. Also, I just want to expound on how much I love your book. I read your book. I already loved you. And I was so encouraged by it. And I just loved it. And yeah, anyway. Well, thank you. The content and the cover. (laughs) Thank
0: you. I love my book cover too first. And for those of you that wonder how all the books come together, I learned this and you might've learned this too. Mm -hmm. I was super surprised by this. I did the same thing. I sent them all these covers I like, Mm -hmm. and then they just put all these covers in front of you and then you have to pick. I mean, it would be to me like someone saying, here's what your baby's going to look like. Pick one.
2: Yeah. And they're all so cool and different. And then you have to live with this for the rest of your life. Yeah, I sent you know Devin Maddox over. It. Yes, uh-huh. I sent him like one too many emails. He was so gracious with me because of like the color of one of the splotches. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I really don't want to be, but can it just be blue instead oh, of pink? Oh, we went back and forth so <laughs> much times. Yes, but you have a beautiful cover. Afraid
0: of all the things. Um, do you know the enneagram?
2: Oh yeah. What are you? Three wing four. Three wing four. Yes. Very very almost most surprising. Achiever. Really, okay, yeah. You'd think I was a six. I would think you were a six. Everyone thinks I'm a six. I'm a six. <laughs> Are you? And I'm okay. afraid of all
0: the things. Well, there you go. In fact, this is hilarious. I have never worried about a sinkhole. I've never mm. even thought about a sinkhole. I'm so sorry. Until I read your book. <laughs> I was driving into I was driving in town the other day okay. and there was an empty lot and it was like completely like I couldn't even it was not like they were building a pool. I couldn't see the bottom of the ground oh, and I thought, Oh my goodness. I think a sinkhole took that whole house and the whole family inside of it oh. down. <laughs> It's real, Jamie. Thanks to Scarlett. I'm sorry. I now have added this to my list of worries. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, no, but in all seriousness, I think that the message that you write in here, and we're going to talk about it, afraid of all the things. What I love about your book is that there is this idea that we can say, okay, let me list out all the things that I'm scared of or all the things I'm afraid of. And whether you're a six or a three, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we all struggle with worry and anxiety. And then we could, there's a tendency to just be like, just think good thoughts. You got this pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not going to happen. You got nothing Mm -hmm. to worry about. God wouldn't do this to you. You, That is what people are told. Right. But you take it to where I take things, which is the reason that we can't worry about these things is because of the gospel, is because of the hope that we have. And you are like, these things might happen to you. (laughs) A sinkhole could take us all down right now. Yeah. So my questions for you are a lot. My first question is, when did you start to realize that you were afraid of everything?
2: Um, Hmm. That's a good question. Worded that way, because my first memory is driving to school and I was like, I'm going to throw up. I must have the stomach bug. And it was right when my parents were getting divorced and we had moved three times already. And so, and that was daily. So then my mom took me to the doctor and he said, you have nervous stomach. So that was probably when it was like, Oh, I have nervous stomach, but like, I didn't know the word anxiety. I wasn't, I wasn't really comparing myself to other people. I was just like, "Cause you were how I, old? I was five, six. Yeah. So I was just like panicking all the time and nauseated all the time, and doctors kept saying, "You're healthy. You have nervous stomach. <laughs> so that's when it started. What did you feel? I mean,
0: nervous stomach to a five year old can sound confusing. Yeah. And weird. And what did your mom do?
2: because they're going through a divorce. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. So my upbringing it's on the back of the book. It's a little weird. Okay. So my upbringing is my mom's an actress. Is your mom still an actress? She's still an actress. I meant to look
0: her up. I don't even know who your mom is. Don't tell me because we don't have to go there. Okay.
2: Um, well, yeah, she was on Saturday night live. And so she was Victoria Jackson. I don't mind saying it. Um, that's her name. That's her name. Victoria. She's like the blonde from the eighties and nineties, blonde hair, squeaky voice did handstands with Adam Sandler and Lindsay knows who she is. Okay. Okay. So that's my mom. Okay. So it was a weird childhood, but I didn't know it was weird. I was a kid, you know? So, um, so we lived in LA, she got the call, you're on the cast of Saturday Night Live. So we moved to New York City and then we moved and I'm six months old. And then we moved to Connecticut so we could be a little outside of the city. And she was on the show for six years and then my parents got divorced. So your entire early up to six years. Formative years were that life. And it was a lot of traveling and it was a lot of, you asked like how my mom handled my fear. So she was a Christian all the way through. So she pointed me to scripture from like the day I was born. Um, Joshua 1, nine is I think the first verse I mentioned in the book. Um, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go? Because she knew I was afraid. Um, but because I was so in my head, I like even took that comforting truth as like, haven't I commanded you be strong? I'm not strong and courageous. So it was like- I'm failing. I read condemnation into uh-huh. it. And then it was like another thing to be anxious about. And so she you know, would try to encourage me with that. And she was loving and wonderful. And she remarried my um, adoptive dad, who's amazing. He's like Superman. I talk about him in the book. He was on the SWAT team. He's <laughs> super protective. Uh, but again, he would like tell me things to help keep me safe. And I'd be like, oh, all these things have like the same cool thing. Like I learned about crime really early because my dad's dinner conversation was what he saw yeah. during the drug uh-huh. bust the night before, yeah. you know. Um, Which is intriguing to some and terrifying to others. Yes. Like my little sister is is, is kind of the opposite of me. You know, uh-huh. She would just be like, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, you know. Okay, I have another question that just came to mind. You said you grew up on the set of Saturday Night Live. You were there often. I was there. I mean, it's all fuzzy to me, but all my memories are very childlike. So, like, I remember the food table. That's like I can picture when they do. When I'll watch it, I haven't watched it in a long time. But when they go like backstage, Uh like I remember those hallways, and I remember the tile, the black and white tile and the food table and the people were like family friends. Like yeah. John Lovitz had a nickname for me and I wasn't starstruck by that because yeah. I was a little kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say I was mostly with my dad or I went to preschool. It's all fuzzy, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was really little. Yeah.
0: Okay. So your mom remarries um, yes. SWAT dad. SWAT dad. Superman. Superman. Um, and then tell me
2: when these fears started kind of like you said, you don't really remember when they started. It was like right when we moved from away from the SNL that whole life. To Florida? Moved, well, yeah. So we moved back to LA for a minute and then we moved to Miami, which is where SWAT guy lived. They grew up there together. They were high school sweethearts who reconnected. It's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, that's when it started because I was starting a new school and Yeah. Okay.
0: So tell me when you, did they ever, did your fears ever become like anxiety debilitating?
2: Oh, yes. tell me And that, especially about that. in adulthood. Um, well, so I would kind of like in childhood and even adolescence, I would just kind of stay busy and just kind of try to find control however I could. When I was a teenager, that was like zeroing in on this one guy. Like I need him to marry me when we graduate immediately, then I'll feel... Okay, you know. Yeah. So I was kind of obsessively. I would just kind of latch on to things. I made straight A's. I was rule follower, trying to be perfect. You know, thinking I could. I really did <laughs> think I could be perfect. Um, and I got saved when I was fourteen, and I, that was like when I purely understood I need Jesus to save me. I'm probably getting ahead of. of no, more, no. Aren't I? <laughs> Keep you're you're good. Keep going. Um. But I probably immediately started living like I was before. Like, and I, this is what resonated so much with your story, Jamie, because you talk about growing up in Christian home and being a Christian and then dealing with sin after you're already a Christian and feeling shame over that. When I was reading your book, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I get this because um, like my big sins, you know, big sins, quote, unquote, you can't see me. I forgot yes. <laughs> people who were listening. Um, They happened after because I was like, I was 14 yeah. striving to be perfect. And then just kind of living in this faulty faith where I was like, okay, I needed Jesus to get me into heaven, but he will not be happy with me unless I am a good and faithful servant. So where's the line? Like, am am I good enough? Am I faithful enough? Is he going to say, depart from me? I never knew you. So I was like striving, striving, knots in my stomach all the time. And then I got into college and I became, and I haven't talked about this publicly. I just wrote a blog about it because it's been 10 years, but I, like just got into these eating disorders that just took over my whole life. Worst eating disorders combo you can imagine. That was me. And I had a restaurant job and then I started working at a church. So I'm a church secretary who's an anorexic bulimic secretly. And I start dating my husband who is a pastor. (laughs) And I was so young. I was 19 when it all started. And it was like messing with my brain. Like how am I in a quote unquote lifestyle sin? Like I, I don't do that, you know? And so it was became, I became very deceptive and hidden, and it was just crushing me and killing me. Um- you guys, in
0: January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types, but for every goal and every mood, there are classes. If you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh rock, if you want to go back to the eighties, if you can't run, take a walking class, need some grounding, try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or hit workouts. Um, Do you think that like kind of going towards that eating disorder, do you think that made you feel like I have control when I feel out of control? Yes. You just got me back on track.
2: That's where I was going with getting into that. Yeah. I mean, yes, because for me, it wasn't like I want to be a certain size. It started out that way for like a week when I was like, oh, I've gained a couple pounds. I'm going to eat healthier. But as soon as I just started the dysfunction, I didn't care how I looked. It was like... I've never been a drug addict but the way I hear it described yeah. mm-hmm. it was like that like I compulsively had to make myself throw up and then it was like and then I'd feel horrible shame and self-hatred but then the next day I'd wake up and I'd be like okay god and I had a relationship with god yeah yeah <laughs> I'm like but like you said in your book I was like if they only knew like I'm a church secretary I can't tell anyone I can't tell my pastor husband so I just told I had like this deal with god like I'm going to get through this tomorrow every day tomorrow for years it didn't work. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the way you describe that is exactly how I
0: feel like so many people live Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be this big, crazy, like you're having an affair on your husband. Yeah. It's this, for you, it was this internal struggle of a very real thing. You know, anorexic bulimia is a very real Mm -hmm. thing, dangerous, all the things. Yeah. Um. But you probably felt as though I have control, even though I know I'm not supposed to do this. I, you, you probably felt. Like it was this kind of thing that would, the safest thing in your life. Yeah. In a weird way.
2: Yeah. And it was taking my mind. I mean, there's a whole scientific chemical thing that happens when you throw up, you know, um, I think it like, I felt like it temporarily, it, you know, it was like self-medicating kind of probably. I, I wasn't thinking it through that hard. <laughs> I just kind of found my way into, the, into it. Um, but yeah. How did I was you get so, out of that? okay, so here's how I got out of it. So I was praying for three and a half years, (laughs) getting engaged, getting married, getting my degree, switching majors, ended up with a biblical counseling degree, throwing up in the bathroom, in the office. I mean, that was my life and um, just living in secret. And then uh, one day, and here's Jackie Hill Perry's book, Gay Girl, Good God. I loved that so much too, because I loved how she described when God like met her and shared with her, like your sin is going to kill you. And it was very similar for me because I was in a Starbucks and I was looking at the whites of my eyes and thinking they're gray. I don't know what that means, but I think I'm killing myself. And my heart was palpitating and I was getting a double shot of espresso. So I wouldn't pass out like just because by choice, this was my lifestyle. And I called my head. Oh, sorry. Rewind. So the thing God kept telling me in my desperate tearful prayers to him that were genuine saying, God, please help me. I don't want to live like this anymore. I just want to live in the light. Please help me. And he kept directing me in those ways. You know, when you put something in your face over and over he kept putting Proverbs 28, 13 over and over in my face, which says, if you conceal your sins, you will not prosper. But if you confess your sins, you receive mercy. And I would read it and literally say back out loud, God, I can't confess this. I'm sorry, I can do it on my own. And then I'll be in the light and then you'll have forgiven me and it'll be fine. And so I wouldn't obey. And he kept telling me, confess, confess, confess. So three and a half years into it, I'm already married. I call my pastor husband. You're still still doing the same thing. Well, it was like, so because of the guilt and the shame and the me having faith and uh-huh. trying to please God, I would like, it started out where I just basically stopped eating. And then when the bulimic thing started, it was an addiction and I couldn't stop doing it. And I was doing it every day. And then meanwhile, we he had started working for a different church. And then I'm like, I'm gonna be good now, you mm-hmm. know? And um, so then I started eating like too healthy, like only vegetables, only. And then I'm like, oh, I'm better. <laughs> that's not better. Yeah, that's still you're still obsessing about your weight and your body. Um, but then I would find that like I'd have to go to a work lunch, and then I'd have to order something, and then I would find myself throwing up yeah. again. So and you were still fall in the same, back same into cycle, it. yeah, in the same cycle. But then I would, so then I would like go back into that, and then I go back into not eating. Um, but then it kind of the bulimic thing took off again. So I called him during some church person meeting. <laughs> I was like, hi, pastor, husband. Um, I need to tell you some things right now. And I just said all of them. On the I phone. Just, on the phone. Confessed you lived all with of him. Them. He's your husband. He had no idea. Uh-huh. Now he, so no, I not, I didn't mean that he didn't have it. I'm like, you could have told no, him at breakfast. exactly. Yeah. But you call him. It was sh- like, this was the moment. Sitting, looking at my gray eyes, drinking the espresso, I'm going to die. Okay, in the Starbucks, um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I had sort of, deceptively confessed before? Do you know this thing where it's like you have sin and you know you need to confess, but you feel like if I fully, again, your book, it so touched me. If I fully confess, if they really know everything, they're not gonna love me anymore. They're gonna reject me. So like when I had first thrown up when we were dating, I told him, oh my goodness, I have to confess this. I did this one time, Mm -hmm. but really I had been doing it every day for six months. Okay, so, so you <laughs> fell. though so I told him right, but it wasn't. I was living. I was lying to myself, you know. Yeah. So I finally, in the Starbucks with the gray eyes, say everything um, to him, and he and he, you know, honestly, he was a little shocked when I told him we were dating, and I think his reaction scared me. And but thankfully, grace of God, God prepared him. I don't know what when I fully confessed years later, and now we're married. He was so gracious, and he all he said was, "I love you." you're going to go to a counselor tomorrow. We're going to take care of this. Like he was just, yeah. he was great. And I was like, I don't want to go to a counselor. He's like, you're going to a counselor. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> again, you're like, I can take care of
0: it. I confess, now
2: I'm going to heal myself. Right. But then I went to a counselor and then the next day, and I had to write on a paper reason for visit. And I wrote the word bulimic. And I just can't really describe to you like how it was like, oh, like there's so much shame because it had I'd been so secretive for so long. And then I told this lady, stranger, everything. And she gave me like a notebook as if I was gonna, you know, have to, like a diary. Like, what did, what happened? What were the triggers? All these, we had like a plan in place and then I was gonna see her the next week. And we were gonna discuss like, why did I do it that day? Cause I was doing it so much. And it was the weirdest, coolest thing because I left her office feeling full of shame there was a church service that night and we were part of this big church in Miami. And so I went up to the balcony and I felt like so exposed and like, vul- excuse me, vul- <clears throat> vulnerable. And I felt like everyone in the room knew mm-hmm. how disgusting I was. And it was like this horrible feeling. And, you know, I don't really know like the second he miraculously healed me. It was that day. I think it was probably the moment I confessed it to Brandon because it was like, I have I chills talking about it. Cause I finally did what God told me to do. And I know it doesn't always happen for everyone this way, but this is just how it happened for me. And I left the church sad. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, it's over. Like I don't, and I promise you, it's been 10 years, over 10 years. I've never had any dysfunctional thought or temptation or, and I know that's not everyone's story, but for that sin and that thing, it went away completely that day. And so I wouldn't say I wasn't a Christian before, but I didn't understand how much I needed Jesus until that miracle. And so I like went crazy evangelistic, (laughs) you know, after that, I was like going around my city, like telling the person at Walgreens, like, Hey, can I tell you what I used to be like and what Jesus did, you know, like at the laundromat because our laundry thing was broken, whatever. Um, so that was like the next phase of my testimony. <laughs> and then the phase that kind of got me to this book and this like freedom from my fears um, was sitting with a woman that I barely know named Elizabeth. And now I talk about her every day, but um, we were just talking about parenting and I was past the bulimia, past all these phases, but I was a new mom and I had a baby. So I was like the most panicked person on planet earth. And I was <laughs> I had brought my baby to this pastor's wife's retreat you're not supposed to do that. But I did because I didn't want anyone else to hold yeah, her. Uh-huh. Even Just her I no don't awesome one would take dad. care of that baby like exactly. you, right? Exactly. Yes. So I'm like trying to absorb the wisdom of these women while bouncing a three-month-old. And all the women are saying awesome, wonderful, godly things. And I'm trying to remember all of them. And then it got to Elizabeth and Elizabeth was like, I have a different goal in my home. I don't try to raise perfect kids. I don't try to be a perfect mom I try to live out the gospel. And I've heard that before. I grew up around that. But then she practically explained what that meant. And she was like, here's what that means. That means my goal isn't to get my kids to obey or to be the best mom of, you know, it's to apologize a lot. It's to, when I snap at a kid who just threw a tantrum or when I fight with my husband, I'm going to say, I'm sorry to my kids and I'm sorry to my husband. And then I'm going to pray out loud and show them what it looks like to repent and turn from your sin. And this was like It was like the earth split from beneath me because I had just thought, oh, like I don't have to live like this. Like I can actually rest in what Jesus did and stop striving, you know? And then she just said, I just want my family to see that we're all weak and we need Jesus every day. And that's my primary goal. And so I'm so thankful I heard that as a new mom because it just shaped how... I parent and it changed my marriage and it changed everything in my life. And I just, I mean, i I still struggle with anxiety last night. I was struggling with anxiety and I had to text my people, please pray for me. I'm like stuck in this thing again, but I used to live for years, like just in it and a slave to it. And just everything I did was just because of it. And Elizabeth helped me see that, um, I really don't have to be afraid. I can really rest. It's almost like sometimes it's even hard to just admit that we are weak. Yes.
0: Because you you know you're supposed to be strong in theory, like quote unquote, you're supposed to be strong. Mm -hmm. But then to admit that you're weak means that you might need some help and then your fears might actually come true. All the things. I mean- Everything is like one big cycle when you're trying yeah. to be that strong person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially when I know that you're an Enneagram 3. And I don't mean to always talk about the Enneagram, <laughs> I but love it always Enneagram. comes up. <laughs> it always comes up these days yeah. and people are thinking about it. But it does make a lot of sense. That striving yeah. for success, that striving for perfe- perfection Yes, that you are always living. And you can never live up to it.
2: I couldn't. I tried really hard and I couldn't do it. And then I realized how great it is to just... And it's not like Paul writes, I need to... I keep referencing this and I don't know where it is in the Bible. But when he's like, does this mean we go on sinning because of grace? By no means. But, you know, when you really under, it's the whole Bible. It's when you really understand God's love for you and that we really do have hope. And we really don't have to be afraid of the sinkholes <laughs> because we have a really great future after the sinkhole, if it swallows us up. Um, just preaching that truth to ourselves is the, the answer, you know, that I found. I have a friend, her
0: name's Angela. And I remember one time I was telling her about because um, I struggle with this as well. Yeah, This is why I think i just was so drawn to your mm. book and your story and your life. And so I remember I was telling her one time about a fear that I had. Mm-hmm. It probably involved one of my kids dying or getting cancer or something. Yeah. And she said, uh, well, why don't you take it all the way? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, let's just say that I was fearful of... Um, One of my kids getting cancer and dying. Mm -hmm. She said, take it all the way. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, take it all the way. Your kid gets cancer. They go through chemo. They don't get a cure. They die. Yeah. She said, take it all the way. And what is still true about God? man. And like, it makes me cry when I think about it. Cause I was like, God is still good. He's still for me. He's still in control. She's like, okay. Hmm. And so that little like practice. And I told that to someone once and they're like, that's the worst thing I could possibly imagine. (laughs) But for me, (laughs) it brings me so much hope Yeah, because I can get stuck on the, the Mm in-between the cancer journey, the diagnosis. Even the death, yeah. And I can just sit there
2: mm-hmm.
0: when it's never happened. None of my kids are diagnosed with cancer, right? Like, none. I haven't lost a child, and mm-hmm. I know that is a reality for a lot of yeah. people. But for me, when she said, "Take it all the way," I went, "Okay, if this happens, mm-hmm. and it might. Yeah. Like, no one's guaranteed that. Mm-hmm. If this happens, what is still true about God?" Hmm. And that brought me so much comfort and so much hope. I love that. And it's kind of what you're saying, though. Yeah, you're saying that if all of these things happen, yeah, we still have a hope that cannot be. Yeah. You know? I mean,
2: yeah. The thing I find that I struggle with still is I'll, like you just said, like I'll look at the thing that's scary instead of looking at the one in control of everything who loves me and is good. And I used to get hung up because I think these things are horrible. And I write in the book about like sometimes when I was like resting and feeling that supernatural peace and like walking toward Jesus. And it was awesome. And then I write about other times when like I had a, an ectopic pregnancy that ruptured and I almost died. And my response was to turn from God, to be angry, to be like, how could you let this happen, to doubt his goodness. Um, But no matter what the circumstance is in front of us, if we're looking at it, it's hope. We just see death and hopelessness. But if we're looking at him, we see life and hope and love, you know. So I just, I I have to tell myself all the time to just look up and stop looking
0: at the things. And I think that's something that some people can get hung up on. Like, If I have to keep telling myself, then I am not good. I think there's some things I'm going to keep telling myself until I see Jesus.
2: Yes. And the whole weakness thing. Yes, Jamie. Like, I and I, you know, I remember when I was in the eating disorder thing, since we talked about it so fully, um, I remember looking for books secretly, privately, because I was afraid to even Google Mm -hmm. eating, you know. Um, But I remember going through Barnes and Noble, trying to find a book that was like, one day you'll be all better and perfect and good, you know, and I couldn't find it. And just this whole fear journey for me, I've learned that it's like the thorn in the flesh. Like if I didn't battle it and if I didn't need to preach the gospel to myself every day, I would so easily be like, I got this and just distract myself and watch Netflix and eat Mexican food and forget that I need Jesus. You know? I know, I know. So Even though a day of Netflix, the Mexican food sounds really
0: good (laughs) right now. It sounds really good. Okay, you guys, I want to stop a minute and thank some of our sponsors because they help make the happy hour happen. The first one I want to tell you about is Smilo. Smilo is the new baby brand that takes care of the details so you can focus more on you and your growing family. Smilo brings you the best in feeding, soothing, pregnancy, baby, and toddler products all in one place. Smilo's patented products are designed by doctors, engineers, and parents. Everything is backed up by proven medical claims, and all products have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Smilo is known for their three-in-one nursing and pregnancy pillow, bottles, pacifiers, baby lounger, sippy cups, one-of-a-kind baby bundles, and so much more. You guys, Smilo was so gracious. They sent me a full box of baby stuff. And you guys know I am past the baby stage, but we kept this baby lounger at our house because we have friends with babies it is temperature controlled it's going to reduce the risk of overheating it's got breathable sidewalls which cradle your baby and prevent rollover easy to remove the wash cover because you know the babies do all kinds of things in there it assembles in seconds and let me tell you the baby lounger my new favorite baby in the world our friend's baby her name is navy that's the cutest thing ever they put her in this baby lounger and they said she slept her first full night's rest i'm not lying i can't make it up it's true another one of their products is the monarch pillow it's a three-in-one pregnancy nursing and tummy time pillow that fits all your pre and post pregnancy needs over 30 customizable positions creating the perfect fit for all needs and body types if i could pick one thing on this list that i wish i would have had when i was pregnant it's this pillow you're gonna need it when you're pregnant you're gonna need it when you're nursing and guys you can use it after another thing that's awesome about them are their sippy cups If you're a mom and a toddler, you have 8,000 sippy cups at your home. Their sippy cups have a clean and easy-to-wash design, leaving nowhere for dirt and mold to hide. They're leak-proof. The fold-away spout is designed by a pediatric dentist to provide proper lip posture and position. Okay, purchase expertly designed products for your baby today only at smilobaby.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR for 20% off your order. That's Smilo. It's S-M-I-L-O, baby.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR. Guys, I also want to thank another one of our companies on here, and that's Bolster Sleep Company. This company is dear to my heart, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But first of all, here's a question. Are you exhausted every single day? We've had endless demands, shuttling kids around, working, trying to get it all done. It can be so exhausting, and it seems that we can never catch up on our rest. Well, Bolster Sleep Company wants to change that. Can you imagine the impact you could have if you woke up thinking, what can I accomplish today? Instead of, when can I go back to bed? Friends, we have their mattress. We have a Bolster Sleep Company mattress. It's in my daughter's story's room, and it is so comfortable. So comfortable that I'm jealous that it's in her room and it should be in mine. One of the things that I love about them is that it sleeps incredibly cool. And the reason it does that is because they have multiple layers of special cooling foams, pocketed coils, and breathable tensile top cover, which means you're not going to be hot. You're going to sleep phenomenal. Another thing that we love about them is this pressure relief layer, which promotes airflow and weight distribution, which means, again, it's breathable and it's going to help the weight be distributed over the whole mattress. If there were two people sleeping in there, Story's got it to herself, but you know what I mean? Here's another thing that I love about Bolster is they're a little bit different in this, is that they use their business to fulfill their mission. This is what I told you why I love them. They partner with a technical school in Haiti, giving scholarships for things like plumbing and diesel mechanic training. So when you buy a mattress from Bolster, not only are you getting a phenomenal mattress that you're going to sleep better on, it's going to distribute the weight evenly. It's going to be cooler than your other mattresses. But you know that Bolster is giving back to kids in Haiti, giving them scholarships Bolster Sleep is so confident, they give you 100 days to try it in your home, risk-free. Check them out at bolstersleep.com. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR for 12% off and start living life more fully. Okay, guys, I want to thank one more sponsor before we get back to our show, and that is ZipRecruiter. You know this is true. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com HH. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there, you guys. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, friends, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash HH. That's ziprecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so how are you fighting anxiety right now? Like someone's listening and there, thinking, this is my life. This is my life. Yeah. What do you do to fight anxiety?
2: Okay, right now what I do is I look at First Peter. I'm wearing this necklace. Um, this is my friend. Let me tell you about this necklace. Okay. I was going to bring you one, and then I couldn't go to her store in time. But um, she has this business called Dear Mushka. She started it to raise money I, for an adoption. I know this. Okay. Yeah. She's a I friend of mine from church. I think they been a
0: sponsor on the show. Really? I think with it, I actually think she, and I'll verify this mm-hmm. before we keep it on yeah. the show, but I think she actually was a gift guide person a long time ago.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. I love her. So, I know she sponsored the show in some way or another. Say. Okay, well, she's awesome. She goes to my church and um, this next, so every um, necklace or piece of jewelry she makes has a Bible verse attached to it and they're beautiful necklaces and stuff. So this one is First Peter 5, 7, which is casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And that verse used to bother me because I'd think, what does that mean? Like, I'd be like, okay, God, I'm casting them there you go. I'm still really scared. Yeah, there's, I I'm still, still feel living this, in yeah. fear. I'm still up at 3am going over this conversation I'm afraid I'm going to have. Um, and then I realized that like, if you look in the ESV or the NIV, there's a comma and it's the second half of the sentence. So if you go up to verse six, it's humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he will exalt you, comma, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I had this light bulb moment go off like, oh, you here's how you do it. You humble yourself. So what does that mean? So what am I doing right now? Right now, because this has been kind of a scary season, book launch interviews, it's kind of weird and outside of my normal life. So I get on my knees and I didn't used to like that because I used to think, oh, that's ritualistic. That's, you know, I thought, I don't want to do that. But like, it's just for me, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to do it because it reminds my body that I'm weak. (laughs) And then I start praying out loud. And for me, what humbling myself looks like right now is, I tell God who He is and what He is and who I am in Him because I forget every single day and like multiple times a day sometimes. And like the longer I do that, the more, you know, that Him, the things of this world will grow grow strangely dim. And it really works. Like when you have a relationship with God, you can't really explain it, but you have that supernatural thing where if you are focusing on the truth instead of the lie that death is going to destroy us and our lives are gonna be ruined and there's no hope, um, and we're not loved, <laughs> um, then I can just get up and be like, okay, that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, you got this guy, yeah, exactly.
0: Now you mentioned, um, this season, a book yeah. release crazy, <laughs>
2: crazy. Yes. Wonderful. Scary. Crazy.
0: <laughs> I described releasing a book, like getting hit by a Mack truck full of balloons.
2: Yes. It's that's so, so good.
0: Fun. But you're like, I don't know what just happened. Yes. Where am I and what day is it?
2: Yes. That's exactly the perfect description. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you wrote this book and it's scary to write books because you have to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable and put your life out there and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But what is, when you think about this book and you think about the women and men men that hold this book and read Mm -hmm. your words, that's a humbling thought. It's so humbling. So humbling to think, God, you're going to use my words to minister to people. What is your hope for them as they read it?
2: Well, um, I want them to, I I feel so thankful that I feel like I'm in a way just like passing on this five minute message of hope and wisdom that this woman, Elizabeth, who I barely know gave me. Like just, I hope that it helps some people who don't know that yet. Cause I grew up in church and I didn't know that. I don't know, I, I don't know why it hit me in that moment but I hope that it hits people who are strivers, worriers who are like, I can do better, get better, Heal myself, whatever. Um, I hope it helps people rest. I hope it makes people laugh because I like laughing. I like to read things that make me laugh. So I hope that that happens. Um, I hope it helps people who don't think they struggle with anxiety. I have a thought on that. Um, I've had several people read it and tell me, I did not think I struggled with anxiety until I read the book and realized everyone does in a way. Um, and one thing I talk about all the time and I reference it in the book is this Tim Keller sermon called The Wounded Spirit. And he talks about all these different um, things that can contribute to what he calls a wounded spirit. I'm going to call it anxiety. And I view that as, I mean, worry is talked about so much in the Bible because I think we can all relate to struggling to trust God or being like, if your kid does get cancer, God, how could you do that? Why is that your plan? Mm -hmm. Don't you love me? Just struggling with that stuff. um, That's anxiety. You know, maybe you're not like thinking your appendix is rupturing like I was when I was a little girl, but you are struggling to understand why God's doing what he's doing, you know? Which we all struggle with because this world is hard. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope it helps people with that because I think that's just a hard part of living in this broken world. And I hope it helps people know how to talk to and understand their friends or their family members who are more like me and you Mm -hmm. and more prone to the major, more major anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that um, when I say this might be something I fight forever, I think that... It is so easy when you struggle with anxiety and worry to just give into it because that feels easy and it feels Mm -hmm. almost safe to worry.
2: Yeah. It feels like you're fixing something by thinking about it. (laughs) Aren't you glad I'm worried about this? I'm worried about this for all of us, you Mm -hmm.
0: know? Um, But it's been so comforting for me to be able to watch myself fight it Mm -hmm. and to sense God really giving me a peace that I know is from him because I can't conjure that up. I can't make that peaceful feeling. Or I would have a long time ago. Yeah, but I just can't. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay. I want to switch gears. Okay. And let's talk about adoption. Yes. You and I are both adopted mamas. I love watching from afar. Okay. Beautiful. So you're a little girl, Joy. (laughs) Yes. Has and so you said it earlier, but two biologicals are the end caps, and then you've got Joy in the middle. Exactly. And Joy was born in China. Mm -hmm. So, first, my first question is, what led you to Joy?
2: Okay. Here's what led me to joy. I had a cousin who adopted two little girls with special needs from China and God, I was just in the season. It was post Elizabeth wisdom where I was figuring out how to fight my fears, not a slave to them anymore. And I was in this small group with um, this family that is not an adoptive family, but they are these people. I say they speak in Bible verses, you know, these people, they just like knew God's word, lived God's word and just they, being near them made my fears not as bad in that season. And so during that season, I was seeing other adopted families. I was probably watching you on Instagram, Jamie, I don't know. Um, and I ran into my cousins who are these extended step cousins. I never see them. And honestly, when I saw them at this family function, I was uncomfortable around them. I've told her this and I've said it publicly and in the book, but like their radical, what I thought was like this radical thing they did made me very aware. Adoption. Yes. Uh-huh. And special needs adoption. Okay. Made me very aware of like my unwillingness to be surrendered to the Lord because I was too scared. Because I was like still recovering from defensive posture of like, good morning, Jesus. Um, nice to see you. <laughs> um, please protect me and my people. What can I do to protect me and my people rather than please use me today. Uh Help me love the other scared people in this world. So I saw her, I kind of avoided her, the mom. Um, And then... I saw them again at another family wedding the same year, which is just weird, that yeah. never happens. And we were seated at the same table in the reception. And so I remember thinking like, oh man, okay, now I'm gonna feel really guilty. And they were so kind and full of love and normal and like down to earth. And it was like, God was allowing me, cause I can see Jamie Ivey and her adoptive family on my phone uh-huh. and be like, how beautiful, but I don't know cool. you, I don't know yeah. your life. But I was sitting with this family, you know, up close talking. And it just kind of, I don't know, it softened me. And then she posted some pictures of the orphanage where they adopted their little girl who's missing an arm. And all these things kind of led to this And where's Brandon in on this? So Brandon has always wanted to adopt since he was 18. Okay, got it. became a Christian. He's like, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. I want this. It was like a fight in our home because he'd be like, let's do it. And Uh. I'd be like, nah, stop it. Uh (laughs) It's not for everybody. I don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, Because I was afraid of the choice and the form and the special needs and the boy, girl and all the decisions and feeling guilty. All the things. Yes. I didn't want to talk about it. So um, anyway, I was driving one day to the grocery store My oldest, who was five, was like, I'm so glad I have a mom and dad, mommy. I'm so glad I have a house to live in, mommy. And I just remember like, you know, we as parents, Christian parents, we want to instill the gospel into our kids. And I was like reciting a script. I was like, yes, it's really great when a family has what they need and they can adopt a child who needs a home, you know? (laughs) And as I'm saying it, it was the most supernatural experience I've ever had because it was like, God went like this. And I was just, I was driving to Kroger and I'm instantly sobbing, instantly fearless feeling about it and instantly and intensely desiring a special needs little girl from China. And it was so crazy because you can't explain that stuff. It sounds crazy. And I called my husband crying and then he's crying and he's like, let's call. So it was this whirlwind where we didn't have the money to adopt. It's really expensive. We didn't have that saved. Um, but every single hurdle, it was like God provided every single penny we needed. He led us to check yes to deafness. We did not even know a deaf person. I don't think we'd ever met a deaf person, but for some reason, when it was like cancer, HIV, all these different things, you check yes, no, or maybe. It's, it's a hard form. It's a really hard yeah. form. And we just both felt like, yeah, let's put yes to this. And I remember later that night I was praying and I, I said out loud, which I don't always pray out loud, but I did in the moment. I was like, God, why, what did I just, why did I turn that form in? Why would I ask my family to learn a new language and adjust their lives in such a crazy way? And it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, look how I adjusted my life for you. But it wasn't in like a snippy way that that, it was like the most, I was instantly calm. I was like, oh yeah, like this is the gospel. This is, this desire is yours. I'm not doing anything. I'm just saying, okay, not no. And I'm just going to keep walking. And so- We just said not no to every form and every payment and then led us to joy. We weren't going to adopt someone in the middle. We wanted to go in birth order because they say go in birth order. (laughs) And it was just, we went to doctors. They were like, she can't walk either. Um, She's born with no ears. Yeah, she's deaf, but also she's not potty trained. And there's probably, you shouldn't do this. But we knew it was like, God led us to her. And so we had peace and we met her. And then I got really scared. So Jamie, she's five? She's, fi- well, she was five. She is five now. She was almost four when we So almost her. four. Why couldn't she walk? We didn't know yet. Okay. So um, she. they told you she can't walk. She's <laughs> yes. deaf and she has no ears. No ears, deaf, can't walk, not potty trained. Not potty trained. Okay. And we didn't know why. And they said there's probably some syndrome. She might not have brain function. We don't know. Or she, you know, she might be, she's too delayed for what she is, even factoring in, um, orphanage and deafness, like it's too much. But it was just one of those things where we were just like, okay, not no, we're still going to say not no to her. And then we got, and I was still like not afraid. And then we got to China and then I was really, really afraid, Jamie, because I met her and it's really different to like see a picture and be like, okay, God, you're sending us here. And then to hold this child who you said, why in hindsight, it was neglect because we met her and people in our travel group were looking at us with like sympathy eyes because she was so, she was so tiny and she was so not all there and her eyes weren't going in the same. It was like, she couldn't move her legs. It looked like she had cerebral palsy. People were saying that in our group. Um, So I'm thinking like, how do you buy a wheelchair? Like we live at the time we lived in a three story condo. I'm like, what does this mean for our lives? Is she, we just learned sign language. I'm like, will she ever even communicate with us or will she be in a wheelchair? In our Like it was just really hard and sad and heavy and scary. Um, And I know, again, I'll say this again on your podcast, like God does not always change circumstances. And I have so many things in my life that I've been praying for years that have not changed in this way. But when they do, I just love telling people about them because it's a miracle. But she fully recovered. And today, I mean, it's a long story of the whole saga, but within a a week, she learned the signs for food and drink um and now she's beyond fluent in sign language like she's 5 but she tests as an almost 7 year old with her communication which is i it's crazy physical therapy's been canceled because she's totally caught up her size she grew 3 inches this year she's just like she's so happy and she's so all there and it's just really cool it's really cool to be her mom it's really cool to walk around our town outside of Nashville with her because She Just her presence in our family leads to so many questions that lead to Jesus. Because you can't tell the story without being like, I was the scaredest person in the world. I wanted nothing to do with adoption. God did this thing and I got to watch, you know? Yeah. So, man. So sign language, your whole family has learned. Yeah. My three-year-old is like
0: the best at it. It's amazing. I love it so much. I was just at a a big conference and the ladies that they had doing the sign language were um, like... The best sign language people ever Mm -hmm. because they were like so emotional with it. And I follow her on Instagram now. I'm going to have to hook you up with who it is. Yes. She's here in Austin. She's amazing. Oh, I love sign language. Um, So you bring joy home. Yes. You start to see this transformation. Yeah. And your life changes, her life changes. Mm -hmm. You're now mothering. um, Have some of those fears,
2: have you? Have you seen things that you thought had been put to bed come back up? Yeah. Like, okay. So for attachment, I think this is something that needs to be talked about, but we did all this training through our agency um, about how it's, it's not the same with biological children as it is with adoptive kids who come from traumatic situations. Cause you know, with a pregnancy, the baby grows in your, in your body and it's like, they naturally trust you. It just happens organically with joy, like I held her and she was a stranger and she'd had a life, probably the hardest life of anyone I know. And there wasn't that natural bonding that happened. And I, so I was like, my faith, I was in such a good place during the process, trusting God, but somewhere in there, I definitely had some pride slip in, where I was like, I got this, um, and I remember doing the training, and I remember consciously thinking, like, yeah, they're saying that attachment is difficult, but I'm not going to have a problem with that. Um, but I did, and it was hard, and it wasn't like I, I, it wasn't like I had a hard time loving joy. It wasn't that. It was just um, I felt a lot of guilt because my feeling it was hard. It was just hard. It was like emotional parenting. Her is just it is still different. It's different to parent a child who's been through things. Um, So emotionally, I was like disappointed in myself for not being like, okay, like, let's just snap back to soccer (laughs) practices on Thursdays and we're laughing and everything is fun and happy. You can't live like that when you have a kid who is screaming for hours because something triggered a memory, you know, you just, you have to, I mean, it's just such a lesson in humility. (laughs) You know, Totally. Um, Yeah. So it was hard for me. And then, and I ended up going back to Christian counseling to talk and that helped me so much to just, talk through it and not feel shame because it's hard. It is hard, but it's the best. It's the best thing we've ever done. It's really emotionally hard. It's gotten so much better. And just seeing her learn to trust us. I mean, there's so many layers of fear in her um, that were hard to walk through, but it's been really awesome. Yeah, I always
0: say adoption is beautiful, but it's always built on loss. And yes. so you've got situation where people are coming to the table with hurt. Mm-hmm. Where it's a different scenario than, you know, a mom and a dad creating a baby, that baby's born and there's love and there's safe and there's security. And then you're bringing a child in who hasn't experienced any of that. Right. And, you know, I remember when we brought um, some of our kids home, three of my kids are adopted. Mm -hmm. And I used to always just think, we'll just love them. Right. And everything will be fine. Yeah. And love just doesn't solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Right. You know, we know as Christ followers that mm-hmm. there is a, a a deeper issue that Jesus is going to solve. Yeah. He's going to fill that hole for, mm-hmm. for all of us, yeah. no matter if you're traumatic adoption or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling the same thing and feeling mm-hmm. like there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. There must be something wrong with them. This mm-hmm. is hard. And it's a hard conversation to have, though. <laughs> I don't talk about adoption a lot. Yeah. And people... Well, me. sometimes you don't talk about adoption a lot mm. and my kids are big. Yeah. It's just, and we've been family for nine years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're what, two years in? Uh, not
2: even a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. You know,
0: so nine years in our struggles look way different than yeah. yours, but um I always say, I think adoption is beautiful. It's how God built our family. I love yeah. it. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe mm-hmm. that all these kids were supposed to be IVs. Mm.
1: um
0: And so- it still is hard though sometimes. And I think it's good to say.
2: Yeah. So the reason I like to talk about the difficult part emotionally of adoption is because I had a couple of women who shared that with me before I went to China. And I remember being in China when it was hard and I was really scared. And if I didn't have those women who had said, hey, it's really hard, but God is really good and he's with me in this. And, you know, but it's really hard. You would have been so surprised. I would have been surprised. And the whole living in guilt and shame for saying this is really hard. (laughs) And, you know, it just, you know, um, I think I would have closed up and not been open with my people and not gone to counseling. And um, so I, whenever people ask me to talk about adoption, I always say it's the most wonderful thing ever. It's probably the best decision our family's ever made. It's really, really hard. It's normal that it's hard. (laughs) And I think that's good because I think
0: that people want to know that and they don't want to be like, what? No one told me this. I think it's, it's a different level, but it's like saying, Hey, you're about to get married tomorrow. Marriage is going to be really hard. Yes, It's beautiful. It's going to (laughs) be so difficult. Some days there might be days where you think, is this, did I make the right choice? Like what's happening here? Um, And then to persevere through that and fight through that. And I just think one day when your kids, when Joy's older, (laughs) you'll get the opportunity that I get now Hmm. when I get to say, I'm really sorry that... Your birth mom couldn't raise you, like hmm. I'm really sorry for that, yeah, like I can hold those tensions. <laughs> yeah. I always say there's there's a place for sorrow and joy within life, yeah, yep. and I've had this conversation with some of my kids there's a you can be sad, yeah, that you don't know your first mom, yeah, and you can be sad that she couldn't raise you, and that doesn't make that doesn't hurt my feelings at all, <laughs> yeah, because I feel that way too, you know, right. it's like brokenness, like yeah, and then we can also rejoice that God provided a family for you, so awesome, so yeah, huh, ah. <laughs> Adoption's hard. It's beautiful. It's yep. wonderful. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you're raising your three girls. Mm-hmm. I am just, I, I wish, do they offer sign language in school as a second language? You know, in Tennessee, they just, this.
2: I know in Tennessee, they just made it a, as a second language for colleges. Mm. I don't know. I need to brush up on my, I'm just like in it right now. Just trying to, yeah. you know, cause we took classes leading up to the adoption and we're not currently in classes, but joy is in a three-day-a-week school thing with an interpreter. And so she knows stuff. I don't know. So, so And she can hear. I didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. So she, she has her inner ear. She was born with an inner ear that works great, but no outer ears. And we didn't know that. All we knew was she's deaf. She doesn't have ears. And then we took her to Vanderbilt and we got home with her. And they're like, oh, so this headband with this thing attached to it will make her hear. And I didn't believe them because she was still so out of it that they put it on her. She cried a little. Nothing really changed for a while, but she can hear. It's amazing. Like she had no surgery or anything, but she can hear every frequency. So like if we were in a room like this, she, you could just talk to her and she would get most of what you were saying. And then she would sign back. And then she would sign back. She can't speak, but um, she tries to speak. But um, if we were in a restaurant, all the noise kind of goes together. So the background noise is overwhelming. So then she can't really hear very well. Yeah. Um, and she can't wear it like in the pool or in the bath. But in our lives, it's just, yeah, she, we try So does she wear that constantly? She wears it constantly. And we talk to her and sign to her at the same time, basically. And then she signs back and tries to talk. I've seen your
0: videos. I love them. I love when you show your family talking and signing.
2: It's so fun. So when I saw a video of her like
0: dancing and singing, she can hear that music. (laughs) Yeah. And she has
2: kind of good pitch. Like she, I'll, I'll hear her singing something and I'll be like, I know what song she's singing. Yeah. So it's really cool. So um,
0: your family has adjusted as well as, you know, well, adoption's hard. We already said that, but your family's adjusting. What, Mm -hmm. are there more kids in your future?
2: Oh, good question. (laughs) I feel pretty maxed out at the moment. Yeah. I actually Um, just want to know, what do you think about adoption? Like, are you? We've, I mean, there are files that we have seen since Joy of deaf kids in China, where it's like, um, there's more deaf kids in China. We all know sign language, you know? Um, we're definitely, it's funny because if you'd asked me that before Joy and before saying yes to adoption, I would have been like, no, two kids were good. This is it. Um because I had really traumatic pregnancies and multiple miscarriages. And I was like, this is my family, I'm done. But after Joy, I remember being in the airport. I think Joy had peed on Brandon like four times during that like double day of a trip home from China. Um, And we're in the airport and we were like, that was the hardest two weeks of our lives. And we're like, we're never going back. And then like in the same breath, we looked at each other and we're like, I mean, we've got to go back. (laughs) It was like, it was kind of one of these moments where it's like, we... After you see that, it's like going on a mission trip. I never went on a mission trip because I was too scared to go on a mission trip. Uh-huh. Um, but when we went to China and we're in the orphanage, just seeing that kind of suffering, it changes you. And, you know, so we are definitely not closed off to it, but it's not a conversation that's happening currently. Okay, I hear you. It's it's actually none of my business or anyone listening. I, oh, I've no. never
0: asked anyone on the show, hey, do you want to have more kids? But I was just so interested yeah. because it is like, When you talk about the sign language, you do think, man, look at the skill that my whole family has learned. Exactly. That brings a whole nother layer to things.
2: Yes. And I didn't think about that until we came back home. And until, you know, you sign up for these websites where you can just see kids Uh who don't have families. And it's like, okay, there's a kid. It's a hard
0: place to be spending your time.
2: So, yeah. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Mm. Well, congrats. So much congrats on your book!
2: Thank you so much. I congrats love it. Congrats on yours. Oh, thanks. Uh, this is about and you, Scarlet, huh? And your new one? Yeah, I'm working I on can't one. Wait,
0: I know. Okay, so this is beautiful. I love it. Congrats on the book. It is um, something that even if you think I like how you said this, even if you think you don't struggle with this, we all do in some way or another. We all have this fear of trusting or fear of mm-hmm. giving up control or whatever. Yeah. So,
2: I think so. Congrats, girlfriend. Okay, Thank I always you. ask people,
0: what are you loving and what are you reading?
2: Okay, what am I loving? Um, I'm loving green tea mochi. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. I need you to tell me. Everyone hates it, so maybe don't. Green buy tea it. what? It's green tea mochi ice cream. It's some Japanese thing. It's really I love it. I don't know. It's weird. It's like a gummy, ricey. Oh, you lost me. Yeah, you won't like it. The texture I think would make me want to vomit. If and you then there's the ice cream it as Gummy and ricey on the outside. Okay. <laughs> it's not really ricey, but it says it's made out of rice. Okay, you love it. I love it. Okay. I like that. I love Mexican food and I'm in Texas right now. So, please tell me when we get off of here oh, where girl. to go. I'll hook you up. Um, what am I reading? Um, what am I reading? I'm reading Stormtoast's family. I've been reading that for a while. Love it. Russell Moore, uh-huh. so good. Um, I'm reading through a series right now. It's like a dystopian sci-fi, which is like Oh, with the nuclear bomb? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been making fun of that kind of genre. For my entire marriage, because my husband, well, he reads that, but all, mostly like dragon elf books. And I like totally make fun of him. I would make fun of him because I don't get it. I, just, I don't get it. Either. I can't really get into a book that's about elves and dragons. Yeah. But he kept talking about this book one second after. So I was, I keep forgetting the title, but it's a whole series. And I totally got sucked into it. And it's really good. But it's not good for scared people. He was like, I want you to read this book because it's so good, but you definitely shouldn't read this book. I'm like, Brandon, I'm sure, are you get scared. Plans. No, I'm not scared. Oh, okay. It's just really good. But, you know. But would you be scared
0: of a sci-fi book about, or, because that seems unrealistic. It's, it's unreal. Unrealistic think, things don't scare me.
2: Right. I, I don't so even I worry about that. So I think if it's realistic enough to where it's like, this could possibly happen, then I can be interested in it. Okay. But not too scary. Okay. But it's pretty scary. I don't know.
0: I'm weird too. Remember how I told you, like, taking things all the way to the end? Mm-hmm. I'm weird too, because I like reading hard things. hmm uh, like people's memoirs about crazy things happening to them yeah. or watching, you know, Netflix shows about abducted in plain sight.
2: Have you seen that? No, I will not watch that. You know what it is? <laughs> well, it sounds like something I definitely don't want to watch. Have you seen it yet, Lindsay? You don't want to watch it either? Is it about people getting abducted in like- lo- uh, Let me in... just tell you something okay. real quick, you oh, guys. oh boy. <laughs> this is the
0: craziest show. It is a true story. Oh, <laughs> about a man who abducted the same girl twice. They were neighbors and friends. Oh it's messed up. Ugh. A lot of sexual abuse. I mean, it's like, yeah. tr- I should give a trigger warning. We might not even put this in here, but it mm. is, you watch it and you just, the whole time are going, what am I, what's, what? wait, wait, what? wait, what? <laughs> like, wait, you yeah. let her go with him? I, like, what just happened? Yeah. It's crazy. My
2: sister likes watching things like that. And I just don't, I'll like YouTube- Natural Disasters. Oh, you like watching that? I don't know why, but yes.
0: I, I, I think I like reading books where people go through hard things and they come out on the other side.
2: Mm, that's better. I say, that's okay, but what
0: I mean is still like they haven't lost their faith. right? That's actually encouraging to me. That's good. That's I feel better like than to watching a tornado. This, yeah, I feel like to me it's this something. kind of thing of like, okay, I'm, I'm hearing their story of how God sustained them. Yeah, That gives me comfort because it makes good. me think like I can kind of— not that I can live off someone else's faith, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I can be spurred on when something bad happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember this family when they went through that. Okay. Maybe I'll watch that show. <laughs> okay. I don't know about Abduction in Plain Sight. <laughs> Y'all, okay. it is so weird. Okay. What else have I watched on Netflix lately like, that's good?
2: Do you watch Netflix? I used to. I'm kind of not in it right now. I don't have a I'm lot of time to mode. watch TV. I know, but. I can't even remember the last thing I was into
0: on I Netflix. did watch a movie recently because it was on an airplane. The Wife.
2: I don't Did think you like I've it, seen Lindsay?
0: that. I liked it too. The fir- if anyone watches it, it's rated R. Don't send me an email. Uh, <laughs> the first scene is really weird.
2: Yeah.
0: It's really weird. It's, it's really weird. The movie's so good. Okay. Yeah, the, wife. the wife.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scarlett, thanks for coming on the happy hour. This was so fun. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. So y'all don't (laughs) worry
0: if you need any links from anything, we'll put them in our show notes. Go get this book. It's so good. It also looks good on your coffee table. So (laughs) there you go. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Guys, are you still dreaming of that beach vacation? I am. Get away to sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. You'll discover endless family fun, heart pounding thrills, echo adventure, and romance. So make it memorable, you guys. Make it yours at Panama City Beach, the real fun beach. Plan your escape today at visitpanamacitybeach.com. You guys, Scarlett is just the cutest. Go check out her book, get it for yourself, get it for a friend. As she says, everyone struggles with anxiety at one time or another. So this might be a great book for you to get your hands on. And go follow her on Instagram. She can see her cute family and her sweet kids and her daughter singing the top of her lungs as beautiful as she can. Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Emily P. Freeman. Emily has been on the show almost three and a half years ago. She was way back in episode number 51, which isn't that crazy? Because today's episode number 235. Emily sat down with me in the studio and we talked about rhythms and what that looks like in our life. We talked about Hope Writers, the community that she's developed with her sister and her dad that helps people like possibly you the dream of writing one day. Her podcast is called The Next Right Thing, and it has led to her new book, which comes out next month, called The Next Right thing you're going to want this book you're going to want to go ahead and pre-order it you're going to find out why next week guys enjoy your week share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend and i will see you back here next week with my friend emily freeman